Thank you, Rick, for inviting me. Definitely, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to, to be here this morning. And well, uh, Rick already mentioned about uh, the ministry where my wife, Raina, and me, we've been involved for uh, basically uh, 19 years. But uh, there is a much more m important ministry that the Lord gave us. Is there already? Oh, I have to change. Yeah. Okay. Uh, basically, uh, my family, our family, uh, the Lord blessed us with two uh, children, Danny and Aaron. They were born, Danny, while we were studying at the seminary in Guatemala, and Aaron during our, during our first uh, pastoral ministry in Monterrey, Mexico. So we've been uh, very blessed uh, now that, uh, well, we didn't expect uh, daughters since the Lord only gave us sons. But the daughters came eventually. Danny's already married. And uh, Aaron is about to get married this uh, summer. But uh, we praise the Lord because uh, we've been serving him since uh, 1995. And specifically here in the United States uh, through Spanish World Ministries through the beginning of uh, 2002. As uh, Reg was mentioning, uh, we've been uh, serving uh, with a ministry uh, called the Spanish World Ministries. And the mission of this ministry is to assist the churches in the task of uh, proclaiming the gospel all over the Spanish-speaking countries. And uh, it has to do with what we're going to be looking in the scriptures this morning, uh, trying to find ways uh, to bring sinners uh, before the Lord. And uh, for uh, over 60 years as a ministry, uh, the, one of the main ways that we've been uh, uh, reaching uh, people with the gospel is through the radio waves. So uh, since the very beginning of this ministry, the founder of this ministry, Florent Toyrak, uh, began the production of evangelistic programs. Then the next director continued the same trajectory. And just to give you an idea, basically now we have uh, over 2,500 radio stations all over Latin America airing our programs. And you might be thinking, well, that's good, but uh, when you think about how much would it cost to have a 15-minute program in over 2,500 stations, it would require a lot of money. The great blessing is that in all of these stations, we don't have a single dime for the broadcasting of the gospel. It's basically, most of, these, of the radio stations are secular. And what happens is that when they get to listen to our programs, the owners of the stations, they realize that our programs have a specific message that it's very pertinent for their audience. So since we are not involved in asking for money, uh, promising miracles or uh, whatever it's in our days, so common, even in Christian circles, we are focusing just in proclaiming the gospel, just have people coming to know Christ as their Savior. So uh, we have around 29,000 weekly broadcastings. Now, if you think, okay, let's suppose that in each one of uh, these radio stations, only one radio listener will get to listen to the programs. Well, just to give it, put it in perspective, per year, last year, I mean, last year, the programs were broadcasted over 1,500,000 times. So if you make numbers, let's suppose that only one listener got to listen to one of these broadcastings, which it never happens. If you have a radio station, you have 50, 100. Well, here in the U.S., it's not that common anymore, radio. 
though there is still radio, okay? But in Latin America, radio is the most important uh, media to reach people. So just, just put it in perspective. Uh, how many people have to, the opportunity to, to hear about Christ through the radio waves. Uh, around six years ago, seven years ago, we launched a new project as a ministry, which it was the creation of an uh, evangelistic app. And we call it evangelistic app because we realized that there was no evangelistic app available uh, with new devices, with the smart devices. So we knew that there were ministries translating uh, messages to Spanish, uh, there, were, there are apps available for uh, Christians in Spanish, but there wasn't something specifically evangelistic. And uh, what we mean by evangelistic is to have, uh, through these devices, have the opportunity to share the gospel with people around me. So there are perhaps relatives that won't, won't like to attend the church. Well, I just can send them the program even by text or Facebook or Twitter or WhatsApp, and they get to see in their devices to listen uh, to the uh, audios that we produce. So praise the Lord, after all these years, we've had already over nine, almost uh, 9,500 devices that have downloaded our, our app, which means that it's uh, over uh, 225,000 plays. It means people just listening uh, to the programs through, through smart devices. Something interesting that happened within the last years, it's, uh, let me see, it doesn't change, yeah, there we go. Uh, with our app, you will see some numbers there. Uh, yeah. Basically, if you look on the, on the, la, in the la, right the columns, you see how the numbers jumped. Basically, the first uh, five years, we had just uh, the app and just believers sharing the programs or uh, pastors encouraging believers to have the app available to share the gospel. But uh, two years ago, we decided to launch a uh, daily devotional, which means that believers can receive this devotional. Uh, probably some of you have heard about WhatsApp. This is the most important social media in Spanish. Almost like Facebook, well, in Spanish it's WhatsApp. So believers can share the daily devotional that we, we send the devotional through WhatsApp. So the believers receive this devotional and they share it with their friends. So as you can see, during the first uh, five years, uh, let's say 2018, we had 10,000 uh, uh, plays through our app. When you look at 2019, it jumped to 80,000 80, plays just in 2019, and in 2020, 121,000 plays. And this it was thanks to the daily devotional. So it means that now a lot of uh, Latinos all over Latin America are receiving in, in their devices a daily devotional. Uh, something interesting also about the, the numbers is, if you look at the numbers between 2014 and 2019, we had uh, 113,000 plays. Now, look at how many plays just in 2020. We had 121,135. So it means that in what the, the number of plays in six years, it was less what it was played just last year. Now, what's interesting about this number? 2020, 
Did it change the world in 2020? A lot, right? It changed for us. It changed all over Latin America. Now, let me ask you something. How many evangelistic uh, events do you hear about in 2020? How many evangelistic outreaches? Zero. There were no evangelistic outreaches. No uh, Christian concerts, no evangelistic campaigns, no nothing because of COVID. So God allows us as a ministry during 2020 to make sure that we continue proclaiming uh, uh, the gospel. Um, uh, talking about 2020, we decided also to create evangelistic videos with, uh, with uh, one of our, our missionaries uh, prepared uh, like a three-minute video talking something about COVID and then at the end a clear exposition of the gospel. So last year the Lord gave us a great opportunity to tell people about Christ. And then also uh, last year uh, we created uh, an evangelistic tract. It, it, was, it is named this, uh, this tract uh, Uncertainty. And the purpose of this evangelistic tract it's to tell the different aspects that COVID had brought into the world. Uncertainty with uh, uh, the fear of uh, get sick, the fear of how you're going to recover, the, uh, the fear of the uncertainty of uh, the economics in 2020 and toward looking toward the future. But then at the end of the evangelistic track, there is a, a, a clear explanation that in Christ there is certainty. So we will, I will I really appreciate your prayers for all the efforts that the Lord is giving us uh, to, to share the gospel to, to people in Latin America. And all this is possible thanks to the... Um, where do I have to point? Uh... Okay, I will because I feel it's kind of going behind. Okay, so if you can go to the next slide. Uh, basically, uh, this is possible thanks to the national missionaries that we have in Latin America. We have around uh, 18 missionaries all over Latin America, basically with the exception of Brazil, because it's Portuguese, and El Salvador, Nicaragua, Panama, and Costa Rica. These are the only four countries and uh, El Salvador, yeah, where we don't have a missionary. And it's just because we don't have funds. But basically, as a ministry, we raise the funds to provide support to the national missionaries. And they are the one in charge of looking for radio stations, visiting churches to encourage the believers to use the evangelistic tools that we produce so that believers can, can have something to bring people to share about uh, Christ. So please, if you can uh, keep praying for uh, our ministry, that the Lord will continue uh, using the efforts that, that we are doing. If you want to learn more about our ministry, you can visit our website. And then as you leave, there are some letters in the, in the foyer there in the back. So you can read our latest uh, newsletter. So uh, let's open our Bibles, or you can look at the, at the screen. Um, we will go uh, again through the uh, verses that uh, Pastor Reg uh, read a few minutes ago, and uh, basically it's not that long this this uh, this passage, but it's interesting what we can learn from the different people involved in this brief history. Uh, basically, in verse 17, uh, it's just uh, religious leaders; they are there uh, hearing what uh, Christ was teaching. It says in the verse 17, 
One day he was teaching and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting, here, uh, sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying a man on a stretcher who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. Now, let's look at uh, first the paralytic. Mm -hmm. What's the story with the paralytic? Basically, uh, the paralytic couldn't approach Jesus. It's obvious. Why? Obvious. He's in the, in the stretcher there and he cannot move. He couldn't realize how difficult was the task due to the fact that he was laying down in a bed. What am I saying? Let's suppose that uh, the room where Jesus was, it was something, some building like this, but it's crowded. And the paralytic, it's out there. He knows that Jesus is there, but he has no clue how he can approach Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that he needed to be healed. Okay? He cannot approach Jesus. It's impossible. There are a lot of obstacles. And there is a distance between Christ and the paralytic. Now, let's look at verse 18. When we get to verse 18, it says, And some men were carrying a man on a stretcher who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. Now, let's consider the man. When we see the man, uh, basically, they took the time to carry a paralytic. Now, the verse says that they were trying. It means that they were just trying to think about options. How to bring this poor man who was laying out there to Christ, who was there teaching perhaps for a specific period of time so they needed to hurry up so when it says they were trying it's basically what options we have how about if we just try to go to the hallway through the left left uh, now there's a lot of people how about if we try it right in the middle if we just Push the people to try to get there. No, it's not going to work. How about if we try through the right side? So they were, they were trying to find options. And they were trying to find options because they had set one specific goal. And this goal, it was, according to what we read in, in, in verse 18, set him down in front of of him that it was their goal it's so sad uh, brothers and sisters that a lot of times there are churches there are believers who do not have any goals in their lives that is just a matter that okay i already trusted jesus if i die i know where i'm going so i don't have to worry oh oh i have to go to church Oh, I have to read my Bible. Oh, I have to give offering. 
So we fall into the religiosity of Christianity. But with no goals. But when we look at these men, they are trying and they want to make sure about something. That they are setting this paralytic right in front of Jesus. It wouldn't be so comfortable for them to say, Ah, oh, well, sorry, guy, we cannot help you. And you know, by, by, by the way, the teacher is there. We want to listen to his teachings. Couldn't they have done something like this? What was more important, to bring a paralytic or to listen to the teaching? Or to see him performing healings? And they decided to do what it was more important. They took the time to bring the paralytic right in front, in front of Jesus because they knew Jesus was the answer. Yes, he's teaching, he's dealing with the religious leaders, but this man didn't get involved in the issue between Jesus and the Pharisees. They were more interested in their call. Bring a paralytic right in front of Christ. Let's go to the next verse, uh, verse 19. But when they didn't find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, let him down through the tiles with his stretcher. And this is what I like about the end of verse 19. Into the middle of the crowd... Where? Near Jesus? Almost by the place where Christ was? No. It clearly says, into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Now, when I think about uh, end of verse 19 where it says, uh, into the middle of the crowd. We can go to the next slide. The crowds. In this case, the crowd, uh, it was the obstacle. What do we do when we find obstacles? Do we find obstacles in life? Do we find obstacles in our marriages, those of us who are married? Do we find obstacles when we are raising our kids in the ways of the Lord? Do we find obstacles as a Christians when we are dealing with an ungodly boss in our jobs? Or with an ungodly teacher in our schools? Don't we find obstacles on a daily basis? Now, the obstacles can have uh, three positive things. The obstacles force us to find alternatives. That's what two verses ago we read about the man. They were trying to find ways to bring the paralytic in front of Jesus. Sometimes the obstacle leads us to make extra efforts. Well, you know what? I can't this time, but I, I ought to try again. Or perhaps I have to do it this other way. Oh, for years I've been trying to do this, but perhaps the Lord is leading me to change and to do the things differently this way. But always the obstacles, if we're trying to do Lord's will in our lives, would lead us uh, to reach our goal. Once again, what's our goal as a church? What's my goal as a believer? 
But when you don't have this clearly in your mind, what's your goal in your life? What's the goal of this church? The obstacles can turn into a negative. Make us give up. And it's so sad when a church gives up in the most important task on this earth. You have it right there. This is the most important task of a church. That's great that you have all these musical instruments. That's great that you have this beautiful building. That's great that you have classrooms. You, you even have a gym, right? Wow. It's impressive. But you know what? All of this is not the most important thing. This is the most important thing. But when we don't have this as a goal, it's easy to give up in the most important task. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, verse 20. And seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Now, we look at the paralytic. He just cannot approach Jesus. He doesn't realize all what it involves to be right in front of Christ. Actually, it's impossible. We already read in the other verse about the men. They were trying. They had one specific goal. So they tried. Mm -hmm. In verse, in verse uh, 20... And seeing their faith. We go to the next. Jesus had all the picture of what the men did to bring the paralytic before him. Yes, Jesus was teaching. But him, being God, he knew exactly what was going out there. It was not that he said to the Pharisees, hey, wait a minute, guys. Let me... Let me just figure out what's going on out there. I see a man with a, in a stretcher, somebody. No, Jesus was preaching, preaching. He was teaching. But he knew what was going out there. While he was teaching to the crowd, he knew exactly what, what was going on up there in the roof. He knew exactly what was going on. For Jesus, it was a priority to resolve this man's spiritual condition. Verse 20, since, see, uh, show it clearly. Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Yeah, Jesus had the power to heal the broken spiritual condition of the paralytic. Was it important, his physical condition? Yes. And actually, if you take a look in verse 24... It says that Jesus healed the paralytic. But what was the priority? The physical condition or the spiritual condition? Why it was more important the spiritual condition? Because it has to do with eternity. It's unfortunately, it's unfortunate that sometimes in uh, Christian circles, it's the other way around. It's more important the prosperity on this earth. It's more important the healing on this earth. 
like trying to hang on to this earth. But if we look at this verse, yes, it was important that this poor fellow, how many years down there laying on the bed. And yes, Jesus in his sovereignty, he did something about him. But it was more important what has to do with eternity. And yes, sometimes it is uh, important to show God's love in material ways to people who need to know about Christ. But I struggle too much when we are showing so much God's love in material ways, but we never tell specifically how to come to Christ. Oh, I gave food to a family who was in need. Okay, great, you show God's love. Did you tell them how, sh how God showed his love for them so that they can spend the eternity with him? Oh, it's, I don't know how to present the gospel. You see the problem? Yes, it is good when we're showing God's love in material ways. But it's far more important when we specifically tell people how they can establish this relationship with Christ. If we go to the next slide, I have some pictures uh, placed there in, uh, uh, in, in, on the screen that speaks about paralytics in 21st century. There are, uh, unfortunately, in our days, uh, I say paralytics, and by paralytics, what I am meaning is people who cannot approach Christ because they have a condition. And uh, there are paralytics who disregard God's word. In our day, it's so common confusion, let's say in sex. Mm -hmm. And people just disregard what God says about sex. Therefore, they have a distance between, between them and God. There are paralytics who set their trust on earthly dreams as if life will be limited to this world. Around uh, 18 years ago, uh, after I moved here to, to the Warsaw Winona Lake area, I got involved in planting a Hispanic church. And when my wife and I, we started this, uh, this uh, church, I remember that uh, talking to Latinos, it was so hard because in them, it was more important the American dream. Here we have the opportunity. And when, when we were confronting them with, the, with their need about Christ, the problem it was that they felt like, oh, if I come to Christ, then what's going to happen with my American dream? And I actually have had one couple that uh, uh, accepted the Lord as their Savior. They, were, they, they went through a discipleship process with my wife and me. They eventually got baptized, and they were growing in their Christian life in a very nice way. It was basically like finding this married, this, this married couple like paralytics, and to see them coming before Christ, coming to Christ and to see their lives transformed. One day, the husband called me, and he told me, uh, Daniel, um, I have some issues. My wife and I have some issues. Uh, can you come to my house? Because we need to talk with you. I thought they were struggling in their marriage. So I went to visit them. 
Unfortunately, it was not a problem in their marriage. The husband told me, you know what, Daniel? Uh, for the last uh, eight months, something very special has been happening in our lives. And uh, the truth is that uh, my struggle is when I go to make an application in my job, I am in my car and I am praying, Lord, please, you know my need. So please, if you can provide me with this job. And I can feel God's presence in my life. Then when I am filling the application, the last couple of times that I've been applying, I've been struggling. Because I know that the name that I'm writing and the numbers that I'm writing, they are wrong. They are a lie. And I am struggling a lot with this. Wow, I thought, I mean, inside of me, the Holy Spirit is working in this guy. He realized that it's not like, oh, I have Lord's blessing in my life and I can lie and who cares? Nobody knows. No, there is somebody who knows. So this guy told me, Daniel, I don't, my wife and I, we've been struggling with this. What can you tell us? What should we do? And I told him, I cannot tell you what to do. But if you're feeling that the Holy Spirit is telling you, stop lying, you have to stop lying. Yes, I know. And now what am I going to do? I need to pay the rent and I need to pay the bills. Well, probably the Lord wants you to trust him in different ways. Have you considered probably moving to a place where you don't have to lie? Where you don't have to be writing false numbers? And trust me, <laughs> telling this to somebody in the area, after all what he had to struggle to move his family here, it wasn't easy. But it's not easy to bring a paralytic, open a hole, and bring him down. To make the story short, this guy went back to Mexico. He called me a few months later and he told me, Daniel, you know what? The Lord has been blessing us. I've been able to open a business where I am buying things in the U.S. and I'm selling them here where I live and the Lord is blessing me. So there are so many ways where uh, paralytics in the 21st century setting their trust in bad decisions, uh, uh, unrealistic hopes, sometimes setting their, their, their hopes in, in a false religion. And this happens pretty often. I don't know how many of you can recognize the picture in the middle. It's the little Catholic church here on 15 North, the shrine of Guadalupe. Oh, I got to hold on to my traditions. How are you going to bring a paralytic right before the Lord when they are hanging to their traditions? Obstacles. Obstacles. There always will be obstacles. But remember, Jesus saw the faith of the men. They were trying. They were trying different ways. To the point that they opened a hole in the roof. And yes, we're, we're just because I talked with Pastor uh, Reg about 
the need to reach the Hispanics uh, here in the area. But I would like to ask you, how many paralytics you know in your life? Perhaps you can have a relative or a neighbor or someone in your job. You know a paralytic? And perhaps the Lord wants you to make this question for yourself. What am I doing to bring him right before the Lord? If we go to the next slide. How is Jesus in the 21st century? Has Jesus changed from chapter 5 in Luke to Jesus in the 21st century? Has he changed? No. He's the same. It says there in Luke chapter 19 verse 10. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus remains uh, the same. The next slide. What's our role as Christians in the 21st century? You know what? There is a, as I said before, it's so sad when Christians lose their goal in life. Lost their goal in life. I can find Christians on, face, on Facebook that they are wasting their time uh, in politics. The last years it was trashing the former president. Oh, now it's in the other side of the aisle. Wasting the time in politics. Really, did we as a believers were set in this world to have as our main goal who's going to be in the White House? Or is this our main goal? And sometimes when I see friends, dear friends on Facebook, back and forth with these battles about politics, sometimes I wonder, and with all these kind of discussions on Facebook, do they have time to do this? Because really, it's, it's where you invest your energy. Uh, how do you say at the beginning of the service, we become what we what? We become what we behold. These men carrying the paralytics, they became what they behold. They were over there and they ended up bringing the paralytic right in front of Christ. So, the next slide. Uh, we have to finish this worship service. And I hope the Holy Spirit is reinforcing in your mind and in your heart the importance of what's your goal in your personal life. What's your goal in your marriage? What's your main goal in your family? What's the main goal of this church? And if this is not your main goal, maybe you are part of the crowd. Or maybe you are a paralytic 
Now, now, fortunately, since I do not know you, you cannot think, oh, this guy is just throwing it directly to me. No, I am not. But what, what I'm saying is, when this is not your goal, either you are part of the crowd or you are the paralytic. And you know what? This is the wonderful thing about the Lord. If you are the paralytic or you are part of the crowd, good news. You can change this today. If you're a paralytic, talk to Pastor Rack or to the leaders. Hey, I need to know how to make the Lord my Savior. If you're part of the crowd, you know what to do. Lord, I got I to change my priorities in my life. I got to change my habits on social media. I have to change my priority in my marriage. I have to think twice how am I dealing with my parents. I have to think twice what's my testimony there in college or in my neighborhood. And most importantly, as we leave this morning, how many paralytics can I bring to the Lord this year? Oh, but because of COVID, there's social distancing. And no. <laughs> No, there are no excuses before the Lord. The obstacles are wonderful opportunities to make roofs, to make holes in the roof. Oh, but you know, it's going to be very expensive to repair the roof and then the hole and then it doesn't matter. What's the goal? To bring paralytics right in front of the Lord. So I hope, I hope the Holy Spirit is telling you something today. Now, I got to be honest. I told you, perhaps you're the paralytic or you're the crowd. Or perhaps you are part of these men bring paralytics before the Lord. If you are, ask the Lord to keep giving you strength. Because carrying paralytics is not easy, huh? It is not easy at all. Ask the Lord, Lord, keep giving me the strength to find more paralytics. I want to keep serving you. So, Pastor Rick, thank you very much for uh, allowing me to be here this morning.